Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcast needs. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, before we get into today's episode and I bring my guest on, I just wanted to let you know about one of our partner events that's coming up, and that's Big Data London. This is the UK's largest free-to-attend data and analytics conference and exhibition hosting leading data and analytics experts, ready to arm you with the tools to deliver your most effective data-driven strategy. Discuss your business requirements with other 130 leading technology vendors and consultants. Hear from over 180 expert speakers in eight technical and business-led conference theatres with real-world use cases and panel debates. Network with your peers and view the latest product launches and demos. Big Data London attendees have access to free on-site data consultancy and interactive evening community meetups. You can register for free today at bigdataldn.com and learn how to build a bright data-driven future for your business. Now, back to the podcast. I'm very thrilled to be joined by Kurt Glazemakers, who is the Chief Technology Officer at AppGate. Kurt's here to discuss how organizations can modernize their security strategy to replacing their VPNs and working towards a zero-trust network access model. So, Kurt, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. And uh, before we kick into the questions, would you mind just uh, giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself and maybe AppGate as well? Sure, no problem. Thank you very much. So, my name is Kurt Glazemakers. I'm the CTO of AppGate and one of the uh, founders behind the idea of our Zero Trust Network Access product. We've been doing this for many years and successfully transferred large organizations uh, and SMBs to a ZTNA model moving away from VPN. Um, our company is headquarters in the US. Uh, we have offices uh, all over the world, um, some development areas in Sweden, um, in uh, Boston area, Miami, and also um, uh, a huge presence in Colombia at the moment. So, and that's a little bit of background of me and Upgate. Amazing stuff. Thank you for that. And uh, I'm excited to be having a chat about this uh, topic area today because obviously, um, bear with me listeners, sorry to bring up the pandemic word and the C word, but we very much saw when all of this was happening, VPNs were a very prevalent part of what we were seeing and a lot of organizations still do rely on them today. So I wanted to kick off the podcast here by just asking you, what is the current state of virtual private networks and why should today's organizations really avoid relying on them? Yeah, it's a very good question. Actually, with all the pandemic things that happened over the last two years almost, is uh, I think VPN almost got into an, an unwanted revival uh, out of necessity, right? So companies, um, I suddenly had to force their workforce to work from home. Um, in the ideal world and the previous COVID world, um, uh, pre-COVID world, you had like, I think maybe 15, 20% max of your workforce working from remote. That shifted drastically to almost like 100%. And that really forced them to whatever technology was available to actually get those things um, out. But the problem with the VPN in general, even whether it's used 15% or 100% by the enterprise to work uh, on your enterprise network is that it actually extends your whole corporate network into your 
home device, corporate device, whatever, right? So if that ever gets compromised, it's a very dangerous backdoor. And it's not the very first time that we see the VPN uh, as a real entry from a, a big security event uh, with larger companies uh, or, or that, that hit the news. So why we should rely, what we should really avoid um, relying on them is, is, is take that, that risk away. Um, but there's also beside the risk, there's also definitely, uh, and that's not always often um, um, known about, but it's also a huge cost factor in this case because you need to connect to your corporate VPN concentrator. Then you need to have corporate internet connections to all of your sites. And that actually adds a lot of, of, of complexity, security elements and, and, and overhead that we should avoid. And a ZTNA model definitely will help uh, improving that model. Yes, definitely. There's there's a lot of risk and not a lot of reward when we're kind of having this conversation. As you say, the cost element and having kind of a big open backdoor is, is not what we want for a lot of organizations. And this is why it's important to have this zero trust conversation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but AppGate defines zero trust as a paradigm shift toward a never trust extensively verify mindset whether a user is privileged or not. So could you maybe expound upon this description and tell us about the significant benefits of a ZTNA model? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And yeah, we're just, we're one of the real leaders in this space. And one of the most fundamental things when we invented the product uh, was to really come up with an architecture that's fundamentally different, right? And the first one that we have done in order to, to make a fundamental different approach to this remote access from order access in general is you need to take your users outside of your network. And whether you're working from home or in the office, um, it should be the same way, same user experience, same tools, that same policies that apply. And the VPN is a different world than the corporate network. You need to have two different worlds you need to defend. And that's the first benefit, I think, of a ZTNA model. The second one is that rather to to look at an enterprise network that's completely interconnected and needs all these firewalls, whatever, you need to think about different areas in your network where your applications are, and it could be some in, in your private cloud, some are still in your corporate data centers, whatever, and think about those as really isolated islands. Um, and when you connect, authenticate, we know who you are, what kind of context you're in, and, and etc. We can actually build a personal network to all of these different locations and actually only assign the right assets to you automatically at the end. So the network is actually built or the connectivity is built at the end after authentication, context verification, device posture verification, and even checking which assets belong to you. Then we build the network, and that's a fundamental different approach than, than a VPN uh, model in this case. And it helps customers to reduce the the dependency on interconnectivity, the, the number of firewalls in the enterprise will go down drastically. Uh, it will help in improving your security model because only the right assets are done. And a lot of things is automated by available data that's in your network, right? Whether it's coming from your identity provider or whether it's the metadata attached to your service or containers, we can all grab that together and make automated policies to assign the right assets to you. And that, that just is a, is a big, big shift in how you operate, how you can uh, reduce your attack surface drastically and only give specific application access to the right users in this case. And that's, I think that's where the ZTNA model is, is just completely different from a VPN. Yeah, 100% agree. It, 
as we're saying at the start, it, it does give that kind of peace of mind and it is that security thing. Like Zero Trust is a conversation that we've been having for a while and, and a lot of organizations are aware of. And listeners that are kind of taking this in and going, okay, yeah, yeah, ZTN A model is a lot better than what I'm currently using. But one of the biggest issues that these organizations are going to face is when you're saying, oh, let's just migrate from one security solution to another, immediately they go, yes, I see the benefit, but there's all these challenges that I'm going to have to face to do this. So could you maybe walk us through what kind of obstacles are businesses likely to face if they do wish to transition from VPNs to ZTNA? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And it, it basically all starts with, I would say, uh, inventory both on your identity as well as on your network elements. It's it's the nice thing about the ZTNA model is that you can actually, it's not a rip and replace, it's not something that you, you need to immediately sunset your VPN and, and, and replace it entirely with the ZTNA. Uh, in actual in fact, most of the cases, we, uh, our customer starts with specific use cases that they really want to handle well. And that becomes like a lessons learned small project and actually be the, the stepping, uh, the step up stone for uh, going into a full uh, ZTNA deployment. But what you need to have uh, in order to make it successful is make sure that you have at least uh, your identity group membership settings correctly. It, it helps to narrow down some of the elements. If you have servers, virtual servers in the cloud, if you start at least assigning some of those workloads and, and tag them correctly, it will help. It's not necessary. You can actually just take your VPN rules, put them into a ZTNA solution and actually copy um, uh, what you have. But you can also start with, with specific workloads and, and, and do them properly right. And what we see most typically entry use cases here is either they do a full VPN replacement and take the same rule sets and carve them down more naturally over time. We see also the other use case where they specifically have their most demanding customers, like their IT administrators, their DevOps persons, whatever, that have very specific needs, need to touch a lot of assets. And these assets are being dynamically spun up, spin down, whatever. Um, those are areas where automation uh, through ZTNA model gives huge benefits, and that's typically an entry starting point. And once that is in place, they will move up and they add more use cases uh, and eventually end up in replacing their full VPN stack yeah, in that case. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's very key for organizations to be aware of. You know, here are the obstacles that, that you're going to face, but planning, because whenever we talk about any kind of um, cybersecurity or any kind of model that needs to be bought in, then the planning is the most important. But I'm curious as well how organizations who are currently using these VPN plans can prepare to implement a ZTNA model. Can you walk us through the steps that they, they kind of need to take, whether that's internally um, throughout their organization or also from a setup perspective as well? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And, and the first thing they need to do is see what they have ready. What, what are the technologies they use today to access remotely or have uh, what they want to replace, right? So the, the very first step is really understanding your VPN landscape in this case or your access uh, elements that you really want to break, break down. That, that's the first step. So you need to have at least an understanding in this case. Uh, and once you have that in place, you can start developing a, a kind of a, a roadmap how do you want to lay out, right? Which are the ones, you, which user base, which assets do I want to protect first? Which, are, which have the most value to my company, which are the most at risk? Whatever. So basically, uh, is it a cloud that worries me today and I, can I optimize that one? Is it more like I need to really focus on my third-party users that need to access something? 
and have way too broad access. It really comes up with, with what, what kind of use case would be prioritized in, in this case as a roadmap perspective. And then once that is in place, you, you need to identify where you start uh, and, and which, which use cases you want to do. Is it really priority to mitigate some of the risks? Is it really that I want to have reduced some costs between inter-cloud connectivity costs that I can reduce? Once that is in place, you really start to roll out the first use cases, right? And once that is in place, the last step is to really scale up to other areas. That's typically the general roadmap we, we go through with our customers. Uh, the nice thing is our solution is a software-based principle, so it's just a very simple step-up licensing model. There is no need to change or replace hardware or, or buy bigger appliances. Once you reach a certain scale, all of that is actually just covered by, by, by our uh, license cost in this case. Just pick up the number of users you go for, and that's it. And that really helps in picking your pace, your priorities, and um, and, and also your roadmap for the transition to a more CTNA landscape in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, a good approach to take. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned at the, the start, and you've also just mentioned the answer there. We were saying about the cost of a VPN when it kind of comes into an organization and all of the other things you have to account for when we're talking about the costing element. So how does a ZTNA model differ from a ROI perspective, a cost perspective? How, how can you kind of measure that ROI coming back? Yeah, well, the first thing is the VPN on its own is typically an appliance cost that needs to be renewed, whatever. So this is already a first cost that you don't have in a ZTNA model, which is purely a software element. So it helps in, in reducing all of these typically what I call appliance costs and, and setups. But the problem with the VPN is it's a single entry point into your network, right? So once you enter into the VPN, whatever application needs to be reached in the enterprise needs to be reachable from that VPN concentrate in this case. And that typically sets up a requirement within an enterprise network to interconnect your cloud environments, your enterprise corporate network, maybe even your branch offices. And that interconnectivity cost is a huge cost typically, and it's, it's kind of a hidden cost uh, typically. With the ZTNA model, we actually use just internet connectivity um, and instead, um, and you actually connect to only the, li- the right locations that I have certain entitlements for or, or, or I need to have access to. And that means that you can actually reduce a huge amount of your internal cost. And that's not only internet connectivity like uh, an, an SD-WAN or MPLS connectivity cost reduction, it's also your corporate firewalls that, that can be reduced or even removed. It's, uh, it's the amount of management you need to, to manage those. So there's a lot of those elements um, that, that has a significant cost saving. The second thing that that's really is important is that it's not only about the VPN cost versus ETNA. It's also inside your corporate network that you use simplify a lot of things like you know, things you're spending today on yeah your your firewall corporate firewalls your wi-fi management uh, your device uh, NAC solutions uh, all of these things become a lot less uh, needed when 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 you do ZTNA model in this case and there's a lot of things we replace there as well or, or reduce cost of and that makes the total cost of ownership actually an, an interesting picture to take a look at into this this ZTNA roadmap as well. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I think that's an important differentiator to make and, and something organizations should definitely be aware of when kind of making this jump or at least looking at it for sure that, that that's a big part of the plan going forward. Um, one kind of last question here that I'm, I'm interested in to dive into because obviously we've been discussing ZTNA and it's, it is one of those security trends that really has been cap, uh, catalyzed sorry, by the impact of 2020 and everything we've kind of seen over the past two years. So things change pretty drastically in, in, in the cybersecurity landscape, and especially what's going on outside of that as well in the world. So from your perspective, where do you kind of see the industry heading in the next five years or so? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I, the first thing we, we saw was actually, and it's not that long, right? I think it's the last 18 months, max two years, but actually the last 18 months, we see ZTNA as a big change in in how people uh, IT budgets or priorities whatever they all have a, a ZTNA or uh, or some kind of a project or a ZT pro- in general a little bit bigger zero trust it also includes other aspects uh, outside the network but they all have like a a big roadmap or or a project to prioritize that um, especially in the US I think Europe is coming right now so that that's that's uh, they are also a little bit a few months behind but that's also starting to show up there. And the main reason is just the cost of cyber attacks. Um, they are there. Uh, the impact of people that can traverse to your network easily and a ransomware, a ransom attack, uh, ransomware attack in this case could basically scatter your whole network. All of these things can be reduced significantly with a ZTNA type of architect, right? So uh, architecture, and that that really drives um, some of these these these, these elements. Where the business is going forward, rather than it now become a priority, I think one of the next steps is to go from like a static security landscape where you define firewall rules and you define applications and whatever, and rule sets and change boards. It's, it, you see more and more of these things going as part of deploy as code, uh, automatic adapt behavior. If the user moves from one uh, department to another, automatically his network stack will follow that uh, just based on, on his identity and, and his and his uh, group memberships around that. And you will see a lot of those automations becoming much more easier, driven by more things like driven in the cloud, things that are going more containerized. All of these things makes it much more easier to identify workloads in your network and use those identifications uh, to automatically provision access through the system, right? So you don't end up in the end with a lot of ACL rules that that nobody can actually get a hold of and and it's very hard to uh, to to manage going to something like a model um, where if I spin up an application and it has the right data automatic the right users will get access to it and that's that's a fundamental shift I think in security it's one of the last elements that has not been virtualized and automated yet in the corporate landscape we had compute we had storage and and a lot of things but really security and secure access in these cases. Is, is the last one. I think that's that's now making a, a huge shift forward uh, in the coming years. Yes, I, I 100% agree with all of that. I think it's interesting to kind of see where we're at now and kind of where we're heading. And, and this is why this conversation is so important for people to kind of, if you start now, then you're going to be better prepared in the future when all of these other kind of changes come in. So I think that's all fair to say. And it's um, interesting to kind of hear your insights into all of this. So Kurt, all I can say is, Thanks for coming on and and walking us through all of this. It's been great getting your insights. No problem. Thank you very much as well.
Thank you, Kurt. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. If you're looking for more information on what we've discussed today, if you're looking to get into a Zero Trust Network Access model, then your best bottle call will be to head over to AppGate.com. There's some good resources on there, and I'm sure a member of the team will be happy to help you out with any questions that you have of the switching and transitioning and how it can really benefit the organization. We'll, of course, be back soon with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, you can join the conversation on our LinkedIn profiles and our Twitter profiles at EM360Tech. Please subscribe to this podcast. And until next time, thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon.